The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! This is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. <laughs> and it is time for another edition of Mick Shots inside the SWBC podcast studio on a very busy Thursday here at the Star in Frisco. Yes, it was an early wake-up call for everybody today, including Everson Walls. Mm, Right, Everson Walls? That's right, sir. What did he have to get up early for? I had to cancel this meeting. <laughs> there you go. As the Cowboys are beating the Heat in an effort to beat the Giants on Sunday night. And uh, speaking of Heat, it is at 12 noon in Frisco, Texas, 100 degrees. Well, that's why they began. It's going up to 108 today. Why they began practice at 9 o'clock this morning. Mm -hmm. And at 9.30, I looked at my my phone, and it said 89 degrees, feels like 100 because there was 60% humidity. Mm. So I'm guessing that's right about what's going to take place Sunday night in New York. You know, it's interesting, the 100% humidity. No, it's 100 degrees. 100 degrees. 60 <laughs> It's interesting because I just uh, taped the coaches show and just returned from the TV studio, ah, Mike that's McCarthy. That's why you're looking so spiffy today. And um, he said that it felt cooler on the practice field this morning than it certainly did yesterday. Yes. However, yes. the temperature at noon yesterday was 91 degrees, and at noon today it's 100 degrees. And I so, think the sun was more intense it, yesterday. Yeah, well. I bet there was a room full of IVs going after that practice. The hottest game I've ever played, Atlanta Falcons. I think it was like 125 mm-hmm. in Texas Stadium. That was a lot. In Texas Stadium. In Texas Stadium. Because, because you know that- they used to have that uh, thermometer that round looked like an old mm-hmm. clock mm-hmm. on the wall there. And I remember doing pregame shows. Holy cow. You know that was really inhumane when you think. Well, about that it. that it, and, and it wasn't a hundred. I mean, it's inhumane. There's no breeze, no no yeah. air, no, no air. Then they took, they got an artificial. Remember turf. they upgraded to fans. Yeah, you yeah, right. I yeah. don't know what the heck that was all about, but it just swirled. Around and the way all the, the roof, air. the way the roof was constructed, there wasn't a lot of air coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Texas, Texas Stadium always felt hotter when it was hot and colder when it was cold <laughs> for some reason. I guess all I, the concrete. I can't believe we were allowed to play there and subject the fans to that kind of heat. Uh, it was against the Falcons, if I recall, and they were doing the run and shoot. Mm-hmm. So I was running my ass up and down the field all, all day long with this guy. It was it was hilarious. And they never threw him the ball because, you know, the run and shoot, they used the concert on the slot. Did you ever play in a hot game that you needed an IV? No. Never? No. Because, you know, guys, I w- actually I was asking uh, Martin, Zach Martin, um, if he ever had to take an IV like during the game. And he, he said, yeah, at halftime. Yeah. And I said, how long does it take? And he goes, well, you just get as much as you can, and then you, your 12 minutes are up and you got to go. I said, do they sit there and squeeze the bag to make it go, <laughs> go faster? faster? And he goes, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember, I remember in Wichita Falls when they were doing two-a-days, 
as hot as it was oh, there was for, for training was camp. Uh, they basically had a room set up for IVs mm-hmm. so they can do multiple at the same time. And guys were getting them left and right after that morning practice. The morning practice, morning practice right? Yeah. yeah. I remember I, I went out there. I was working with, uh, God, I can't remember. I was working with uh, Fox, working with Ducey. And I brought my 10-speed out there because uh, I stayed out there for a while. Yeah. And, and I brought my 10-speed. It was hot. That's on the why way they to called the first practice. That's why they called their their bike race in August the hotter than hell hundred. And I right? thought about that every time <laughs> I went to practice. <laughs> so because of the heat, everything got started uh, earlier today. Yes. And you, we've already had the locker room availability. Mickey has just returned from the locker room, and you, you just mentioned you talked with Zach Martin and. Uh, was this Dak Day too? This was Dak Day, and I think he uh, official? must have said about Thursday's, Thursday's Dak Thursday. Day. Yeah. Must have said like three times that uh, he feels as comfortable as he's ever been getting ready to start a season. So uh, he said, "My my confidence is at an all time high." It so, always is. That's that's nothing. That's new. the way it should be when that's you start right. a season, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of ready to go. Uh, so we saw our portion of practice, and uh, Tyler Smith was still doing uh, rehab work with Britt Brown, the Cowboys trainer. Uh, he was on the cords, and I'll tell you what, he was moving pretty good. Mm-hmm. If you got a really tight hamstring, it's hard to do lunges, right? And he was doing lunges. Uh, he was doing the side steps on the cords, backwards, forward. Uh, and then near the end of their little workout, he was doing sidesteps, but at a faster pace. Uh-huh. So it looked like that he was doing better, improving. And as Mike uh, McCarthy said, that uh, we'll see if he can participate in their workout they do Saturday before they, they leave for the game. He goes, that would be the last threshold. Uh, and if he's able to participate then, then he said he should be uh, good to go. So that was a um, that was a a good sign. Let's put it that way. Mm. So what happens if he is not good to go? Well, from what it looked like during that, and, you know, and it's hard to tell how they're lining up. They're so far away from us, but uh, it seems like that uh, Chuma Adoga has been taking snaps there in place of Tyler Smith. Okay, and they have other guys they've worked in also. So. Um, you know, uh, Harlow. Uh, Sean Harlow, Sean who was Harlow. just picked up. Um, he was in the Giants He's on the camp. practice yeah. squad. On the practice squad, right. that's right. So Signed you would the have, practice to, squad have to move him. We talked about him earlier in the week. He right. actually started three games for Arizona last year. So he has some experience, right? Uh, T.J. Bass, I, he's still sort of on, he, on the right side guy. Although I asked him how his hand on the ball was doing, going, and he said, oh, it's, it's better, he, he's, it, but he doesn't get to do it in practice. It's before and when they do the quarterback thing uh, before practice and then some shotgun after. And he goes, actually, the shotgun's coming along better than under center. And I said, why is that? And he goes, well, the shotgun, you got a little margin for error. The ball can go here or there. Or, uh, he goes, but when you're under center, you got to be accurate, like hit his hand right where you're supposed to hit it, right? Do we have any left-handed centers? 
uh, in the league? Yeah. <laughs> That's a random question I never I don't thought think of about before. That. I just yeah. see. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's a prerequisite. For, yeah. Is, is, is it easier, you know, left-handed, just right-handed? Like, just like you can't be a left-handed shortstop in <laughs> baseball. Can't you? Can, can you? I don't. And it's real hard to be a left-handed third baseman. Too, uh-huh. right? That's, That's right. Crazy. Yeah. And see, so that's what I'm here for. You guys. can't be a left-handed center in the NFL. <laughs> I've never thought of that before. I mean, but, as long as you get the the the, the seams up there, right? Mm-hmm. I think that if it's the, the direct snap versus the the, the shotgun, yeah, to be more but the, the direct, direct snap, one. Yeah. Although a left-footed punter, it comes for the return man on a left-footed punt. That it's different than so. The, maybe you know it what happens? For a the, the ball, snap too. the ball. I would get them on purpose. <laughs> Just to screw up. Well, Chris Jones team. was a left-handed punter. Yeah. Or and, and left-footed. Yeah, left-handed. Well, he might have been left-handed, he too. Might have, Come on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, his ball, the, the spin of it would cause it the nose to kind of back up, right? So I remember the first game he kicked. And before the game, Chris Boniel, the Cowboys' former place kicker, he was the special team's assistant, uh, at that time, kicking coach, and he told me that it was against the Giants, I want to say, and it was up there, and he said, they will fumble two punts. I go, what do you mean? He goes, he's left-footed, and his ball backs up, and I'll be darned if they didn't fumble the first one and one later in the game because they misjudged. where yeah. They're figuring it's landing here, but it, it, it backed up on them, and they had to move up further. Uh, so there's something to a left-footed punter, Bill. All right. Kansas City plays Detroit tonight. Mm-hmm. There's the Kansas City wow. center. Creed Humphrey, a left-handed center. You can check him out tonight. That's crazy. Yep. The former Oklahoma Sooner. And, and wait, by the way, he's no one, one under of, center behind him. He's one of the <laughs> best centers in the National Football League. So did you League. Google uh, left-handed no, centers? No, we have a producer supreme. Oh, go. very good. The producer secret. We didn't get to hear. Producer <laughs> supreme Chris Beam tipped me off to that. Creed Humphrey. Way to go, Chris. Well, very left-handed nice. Left-handed center. So I guess um, it doesn't make a difference because Mahomes doesn't no, seem he to show it. Seem to have no the other thing, uh, the <laughs> other thing in practice of significance, uh, Sam Williams, who didn't do much of anything yesterday, he's got a turf toe. Uh, he was in uniform and he was going through all the drills and had a helmet on mm-hmm. uh, in the practice part that we saw. So that looked, uh, you know, optimistic now that, that he should be ready to go. He was one of the other ones. Donovan Wilson, uh, I think we talked about it yesterday. He's, he would have been still rehabbing, but his uh, uh, lady, you know, I don't know, wife, girlfriend, whatever, uh, was having a baby today. Oh, wow. So he, he was at the hospital. Not for him, say. Significant. Right, other. significant. Or thank you. I was trying to figure that out. Uh, and Jordan Lewis continues to practice, but uh, I just don't see him playing in this game. I, 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 it's just too soon. He's off the pup list, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. He's yeah. active. Yep. But he, now, now, the coach talked glowingly about where right. he is. I know. Right now. It'd be interesting if they one padded practice and they say okay you're good to go mm-hmm. after you haven't played since maybe october of last year he's still ramping up ramp up i think that's what you all right i have a it. question about the offensive line okay. okay and especially with the tyler smith injury okay 
So the way you look at it as far as the backups mm-hmm. on the offensive line, you mentioned Chuma Idoga as the possibility at left guard. So Awesome Richards would be the backup at both left tackle and he's like third in line at left guard. Or, yeah. Or, now Tyler Smith, if anything were to happen to Tyrant, Tyler Smith, Tyler Smith is a guy that move over. would kick out to right. tackle like he did last year. So w- because of their lack of depth on the offensive line, I think they can withstand one thing, but now it gets a little more complicated if somebody else gets hurt, right? Uh, especially one of the tackles, because now with Tyler Smith sort of iffy at this point anyway, yeah. uh, although I do think he's improving, if something happened to one of the tackles, I, you know, Tyler Smith could go play tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just find a guard. But if Tyler's unavailable, then your backup tackles. Now, Edoga can play tackle. Yes, he can. Uh, awesome Richards yes, can play tackle. The, and then on the practice squad, you've got Earl Bostic. Yeah, I don't think you want to go and there. Alex Taylor Prelo. I don't think you want to go right. there either. So that's just giving you an idea yeah, of, of, of the what's lack on of, the roster. Yeah. Uh, both on the 53 and in the, and the practice squad. And so when we tackles. talk about what, what worries you about this team or where is there, you know, kind of a worrisome uh, position, uh-huh. it's the depth on the offensive line, and we're kind of seeing it right now. And that also underscores the value of a healthy Tyler Smith. Right. Because he would be next man up at left tackle. Right. And then you need a guard. Now, Ladoga could do that. They're I mentioned T.J. Bass, but he's been more right side. Um, awesome Richards has played both spots left side. But, again, he's a fifth-round draft choice. Is this going on on every team in the league? Other teams are in having. In regards to Yeah, I don't know if it's line. the offensive right. line. Yeah. And not having uh, backups that are proven. Yeah, yeah when, we were talk- when I was talking with Zach Martin yesterday, um, you know, one of the things that he pointed out is, you know, if you look around the league – um, you know, if teams have six offensive linemen they're good with, mm-hmm. you know, that's about where it's at. But after that, it gets a little thin because there's just not a lot of offensive linemen. So then the answer to my question yeah. is yes. And that's why so, somebody says go trade for somebody. Right. Very few teams have excess, right? It's like, okay, we can trade this guy. So we'll, why is it that there aren't enough offensive linemen? Because no one, you got in college football, you've got dozens of teams with five offensive linemen on each team that start, and you can't get enough offensive linemen that can make the transition to the NFL. Well, because the blocking in the college is a lot simpler. Basically, you're standing up and you're pass blocking. So they're not getting developed. Right. And mm. and we're hitting on something here, Bill. And as I was talking, because with, wide receivers, there you get wide receivers aplenty. You got running backs aplenty. Tight ends, yeah. okay. Tight ends, and they're all, all good. The they're all good. Yeah. Here's the yeah. answer: Nobody grows up and says, "God, I just want to go play guard." It doesn't <laughs> happen. And, you know, I asked. Uh, I got into the discussion with with Zach yesterday, and I said, "So when you were growing up, did you want to play guard?" Just like that. And he goes, I was actually on defense. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and I was a defensive lineman. And then somewhere at the end of high school to Notre Dame, I became an offensive lineman. I said, but you didn't grow up wanting to play guard. And he laughed. He goes, no. He, I, I got to say, 
I, I would do if I was a big guy. I would love to play offense. Well, you you because you you can pancake people. You just get to beat everybody up. I mean, to me, it seems like the perfect position for a large human being with athletic ability. Your percentages of if you're if you can get good mm -hmm. of succeeding mm -hmm. are higher because there's fewer candidates on the offensive line. It seems like they really get a charge out of. Not really. They could care less if anyone knows who they are. But if we're driving down the field, no one takes more pride in that than an offensive line. But if you're good, you want to play tackle, right? And if you're kind of good, you want to play center. Those are the spots that get paid. True. The guards are also usually prerequisites. Don't get paid. You have to have a certain length to yes. play tackle, longer arms. Mm -hmm. And I told you my story about Joe Brodsky, right? I'm not sure. He was a, high, a very successful high school uh, head coach yeah. in Miami. Cowboys former running back coach. He's passed away since. And, and we were talking about it one day, and he goes, well, let me, get, let me explain it to you. And he goes, so the first day of practice in high school, I got a new team. He goes, we go out and we do some things, and I, and I go, okay, that's the best athlete there. That's my quarterback. The next best athlete, well, that's my running back. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and then after that, wide receiver, cornerback, defensive end, well, linebackers, okay. And then he goes, I look around and look at all the other guys and go, the rest of you, offensive linemen. <laughs> 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 and that's, there's some truth to there's it, I much think. truth to that. Right? But as you develop as a player, right. I'm, I'm back to the point. The satisfaction that they have as a unit, right. as a unit, they might be the closest unit on almost every team. And they usually you know, have a lot of intellect there. Right. You know, so I don't know. To me, I, I, if I had the, the, the build, if I had the wherewithal, I, I would love That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> And look at the look at the the other leagues out there, right? There's not enough offensive linemen to go around to help the skilled people. The quarterbacks are at the mercy. Even in the other league, yeah, well, that's the that's the worst part of those leagues, you yeah. know, because you got skilled people, but if you can't block for them, then kind of diminishes what they can do. Okay, yeah. and uh, as we go to break here, I've got a Joe Brodsky trivia question for you. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> you talked about his uh, high school coaching laurels in Miami. Yes. Okay, can you name one of the players that he coached who would later become an assistant coach for the Dallas Cowboys? What? Coach Joe. Oh, Joe that's Amazano. right. That's right. That's right. I forgot that part. Oh, get those two together. Oh, my gosh. The stories that, the, that they would tell. And Joe, Joe would sit there and go, yeah, okay, Joe, go ahead. Go ahead. Lay it on the line. You know? And by the way, another little uh, tidbit on uh, Joe, Brod, uh, Joe Brodsky's high school career. One of his high school teammates, Lee Corso. And we continue with more Only mix on Mix Shots in just a moment. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap it to Prescott, who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. 
You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. Cowboys football and Miller Lite. What a pairing. Can cracks a kickoff. Tailgates going way past postgame. Sunday night overtimes followed by Monday morning swagger. Brisket in the smoker. Miller Lite in the cool. America's team playing America's greatest sport. Miller Lite, the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys football tastes like Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2023 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Back, back to mixed shots. K-Post Roofing and Waterproofing, the official roofer of the Dallas Cowboys here on Mick Shots. Very nice read there by Mickey <laughs> Spagnola. And give, by the way, since give we, him saw, more credit. He we saw people off the top of his head. Uh, walking by here last night on our crosstalk show on the fan upstairs at the Cowboys Club. Oh, okay. Our guest was Joe Looney. Yeah. Nate Newton, myself, Kevin Gray. He's a high school coach now, isn't he? Yeah. No, he's a teacher. Oh. He, he was coaching last year, and he had to coach and teach. Yeah. And he realized, I might as well be back in the NFL. I'm working all day long, right? And he said, so he got his, he's got a teaching degree, and he's teaching history at a charter school in Frisco. Well, nice. he was in the spring, he was at one of the Frisco schools, and I saw him on draft night. Uh-huh. And, um, I, you know, he played for Mike Solari at San Francisco. San Francisco when they won the Super right. Bowl. Right, and so I was picking his brain. Okay, it's draft night. What kind of offensive lineman does Mike Solari like? Whatever. And so anyway, he told me that he was coaching uh, at a Frisco uh, high school. I can't remember which. I think one. it was Wakeland. Okay, but and so we'll come out and do a story on you. And we called the head coach and he said we were going to come out during spring ball and do a story on Looney. Well, why don't you wait until the fall to do that? <laughs> so maybe he had an idea that yeah. this wasn't going to last very long. But anyway, so we're we're in the we're in the middle of the uh, we're in the middle of the show last stuff. night, and uh, upstairs in the club, and who comes walking by but Jerry Jones, and he stops and he looks and he goes, "Oh, here are four of my favorite guys here," and he started talking, and it's like. <laughs> 
oh, do we have a stick mic? Can you know, give him a headset? And he stood there and talked for about a minute, right? But you could hear in while our, you were on the air. Yeah, you could hear it. I could hear it in my in my headset. <laughs> so I'm assuming it got on the air. Uh, it was where can funny. we find that to listen to it? Uh, 105.3 The Fan, okay. I guess. All right, Very and good. it might be on DallasCowboys.com. All right, changing subjects. Yes. You saw the uh, contract that uh, yes. Nick Bosa agreed to. He he can afford an island right now. Five-year, $170 million contract that includes $122.5 million <laughs> in guarantees. That's like wow. almost Who do you think is the million? happiest man in America right now besides Nick Bosa? Mike Parsons says, I don't worry, <laughs> I don't just, worry about anybody that's else. That's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> When he signed that contract, like okay, Mike he's, is looking. He's like, good for him. I, I can see the future now, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure some jaws dropped upstairs, uh, knowing how much they're probably going to have to pay. Well, I just Micah happened Parsons. to uh, be in the control room as Nick Eatman was interviewing Stephen Jones for uh-huh. special edition. He was asking uh, Stephen about Micah, and he asked about the Nick Bosa contract. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it up and said that uh, Micah is very – and I, maybe it was uh, Stephen actually may have said about how happy uh, Micah must be yeah. to see that yeah. contract. And then Nick had a great line. He said, so uh, does that bring a smile to your face too? <laughs> uh, can he said – <laughs> You'll have to watch it on All special right. edition right here. Uh, but – yeah, and okay, it's game night. We, so do you we're think gonna... he? Let me. Do you think he plays? Hadn't been to training camp. Micah Bosa. Oh, no Bosa. Bosa. <laughs> I knew that fact. I knew that fact. I knew that. Yeah, he's playing. Keep up. I just saw uh, Kyle Shanahan was doing an interview, and they just showed it on NFL Network. He said that uh, the only way that Nick Bosa doesn't play on Sunday is if he's got a beer belly. <laughs> LT did that uh, when I came in 1990 to the Giants. He didn't all the training camp. He was out, didn't didn't do anything. He comes in and gets three sacks against Philly for the opener, and that showed me. Yeah, I knew I was gonna get a whole lot of picks that year. Matter of fact, he was chasing Randall down on our first third down uh, play, and I got an interception because LT was making him run for his life. So, yeah, that made me feel real good. Proof is in the pudding. Well, Emmett missed two training camps and mm-hmm. played very quickly, as a matter of fact. And got off. Right? I mean, all the way that to 93, the That all 93 the season? Yes. Yep, absolutely. One of the best ever. If Chris Jones signs this afternoon, would he play tonight for the Kansas City Chiefs? <laughs> he said he was ready. Yeah, yesterday he, he was at a charity sure event did. in Kansas City. He said, you get me signed, I'll be out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, yeah. when we come back here on Mix Shots, we are going to be in, joined by a New York Giants insider. We're going behind enemy lines when we come back in just a moment. <laughs> The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. 
Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. Cowboys football and Miller Lite. What a pairing. Can cracks a kickoff. Tailgates going way past postgame. Sunday night overtimes followed by Monday morning swagger. Brisket in the smoker. Miller Lite in the cooler. America's team playing America's greatest sport. Miller Lite, the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys football tastes like Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2023 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap it to Prescott who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese-to-sour-cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. <sighs> with Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Back, back to mixed Shots. Experience the feeling of game day every day at Miller Lighthouse at the Star. Now just open just steps from the Tostita Championship Plaza. Miller Lighthouse features a cooler full of grab-and-go beverages and snacks. Tailgate games, a recharging lounge, Dallas Cowboys photo op, and complimentary concierge services. For more info, visit starinfrisco.com slash Miller Lighthouse. House. And we love hearing that word cooler. Cooler. <laughs> because right now, here in Frisco, it's 102 degrees on the way up to 108 degrees, which is why the Cowboys worked out this morning here at the Star in Frisco. And we're now joined by John Schmelk, New York Giants insider, and Mickey, the official title, senior manager, editorial, and audio content. <laughs> John Schmelk, we appreciate you joining us here on uh, Mix Shots. Uh, Mickey's been telling us how hot it is at the U.S. Open because he's been watching it past midnight here every night. So how hot is it today there in Giants land? Yeah, based on your forecast of what's happening in Dallas, I'm going to choose not to complain about the fact that it's 95 <laughs> degrees and like 90% humidity, which is it's pretty terrible. But Based on what you guys are talking about, I'd, I'd rather be here. So we just want to know, are the Giants practicing outdoors in this weather? 
Uh, well, believe it or not, uh, the, the Giants, because you know it was a long week with Labor Day, they practiced Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So today's actually a player off day, which is a little bit different. And then they'll be back practicing again tomorrow. But they have been outside all week this week, and it has been in the 90s. So, yes, uh, they are preparing uh, for Sunday night when it should be pretty steamy. It's kind of chance of thunderstorms on Sunday. But the temperature should get down to reasonable areas by the evening. So in that stadium, do I have special rooms for the IVs? Um, for the play, uh, for fans or players? <laughs> the fans, will, they'll be liquidated, right? Or not liquidated. <laughs> liquefied. Yes, liquefied. <laughs> you know, the Cowboys have their regeneration days on Friday under the, in the Mike McCarthy era here. And then they'll actually uh, get a little workout in on Saturday. That's when we'll learn the status for Tyler Smith, uh, the Cowboys' left guard, whether he'll be able to play on Sunday. How are things looking injury-wise for the Giants this week? Uh, the Giants have a bunch of guys that are limited, but you know it's it's not many guys that you would consider to be you know huge parts of their game plan. Uh, a lot of special teamers like Gary Brightwell, Cam Brown, Lawrence Cager as a backup tight end. You know Cordell Flodger, various Owens backup defensive backs, and then Wando Robinson who's coming off a. Uh, an ACL last year. So, uh, I mean, none of those guys are probably going to be huge factors in the game plan. Anyhow, they're all limited. I think most of them would be questionable or they'd be ready to go on Sunday night. So the giants, uh, at least from their perspective, um, they're pretty healthy. And I think they feel pretty good about where they're at. What's your guys feeling? Do you think, do you think Tyler Smith's going to go? Do you think Wilson and Williams are going to go? Do you, do you think they're going to be game time decisions? I think uh, for Tyler Smith, it'll be a game-time decision. We talked about that today. He's still rehabbing, uh, so they're going to wait until Saturday to see just where he's at before they take off. So uh, as for the other guys, uh, Sam Williams was probably limited in practice, so that was better than did not practicing yesterday. And Donovan Wilson, uh, he hasn't practiced yet, uh, and he didn't again today. So there, there's very little chance he'd be ready to go. Good to know. Are we supposed to be divulging information to him like this? <laughs> there's an official like some, practice <laughs> report oh, right there. Mickey is reading that off the practice <laughs> right, report. He sounded, he, sounded, <laughs> he sounded like he was digging for information. So, yeah. Well, you're a former Giant and a former Cowboy, mm, though, Emerson. Right. So. And having said that, I'm trying to look at these DBs. I knew and that's where you were going. I have been looking at these young guys. Deontay Banks, tell me about him and – at, tell me, is he going to be locked up with C.D. Lamb all day long? And the and the other rookie corner, <laughs> Trey Hawkins, too. Mm. Yeah, and then Everson, I, th- I think you're looking at the right spot because I think those are going to be really important matchups in this game. My guess is that Adoree Jackson is going to be locked up on C.D. Lamb yeah, most of this he's game. He's got the veteran, um, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to put the veteran on him, and he's, been, he's basically going to be there. You know, in base, he'll be their outside corner, and then in sub-packages, he'll move inside. And C.D. plays inside so much, as you guys know, obviously. Mm-hmm that I think he'll follow him for most of the game, which means you're going to have the two rookies, Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins, playing outside. And they're going to be against two really good players in, in Gallup and Cooks for a lot of this game. And both those guys are side speed length athletes. Uh, Banks was one of the best athletes in the draft, or a sub 4-4, four, four, uh, really long, good kid, uh, plays really tight coverage, and he's really fast. Hawkins, uh, obviously from a smaller program, Old Dominion, he was a sixth-round pick. But he has the length. He's over six foot. He ran a four four. 
Uh, he's obviously just not as seasoned as his banks is coming out of a bigger program in the Big Ten in Maryland. So they're going to play a lot of press man. They're going to try to get physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, maybe some issues with some, like, back shoulder stuff. If you run him across the field, maybe. But in those, you know, small, truncated areas near the sideline, if you're trying to work an X against them in one-on-one, they're going to be pretty physical, and they're going to play pretty tight coverage. So they've shown a lot in, in – the camp they've shown a lot in preseason but i don't have to tell you guys it's much different under the bright lights on sunday night football against three really good wide receivers like dallas has so that is going to be a huge factor in terms of how those guys handle uh the cowboys receivers in terms of how this giant's defense is going to fare you know when it comes to dak prescott uh we just uh, had a report that he said he feels better than he's ever felt uh at the beginning of a season i've heard different philosophies against Dak Prescott. Do the, do the Giants think that it's best to play man-to-man and press and make Dak make quick decisions, or do they feel like it's better to play zone against him based on the interceptions that he had all last year? Yeah, the Giants played the highest percentage of cover zero and cover one than any other team in the league last year. Hmm. That's, what they're, that's what they're going to do. Um, I'd be shocked if they did it now. At the end of the year last year, when they played the Vikings in the playoffs and they had Justin Jefferson, they did play a little bit more zone. So you maybe you might see them roll some of that in, but the Giants are still at their core a cover one, you know, zero blitz, mm-hmm. set the tempo on defense themselves. That's what Wink Martindale does, and I would not expect it to deviate too much from that on Sunday night. So that Hawkins is starting at corner. Was that the plan or did somebody get beaten out and he earned the spot as one of your top three corners? He earned it. Uh, to start the year, the plan was to have Banks and the Dory Jackson outside. And then Darnay Holmes was going to return as, as the inside cornerback. And Hawkins played so well outside in camp wow. that they needed to find a way to get him on the field. So they moved Jackson inside in those sub packages and the kid's just been really, really strong, which I, I, you know, and it's funny, I was talking with the defensive back coaches, and, and I asked them, are you guys surprised that, you know, uh, Hawkins has come along so quickly? He goes, yeah, if we knew it was going to be this good, we wouldn't have waited until the sixth round to take him. <laughs> you, know, you know, and it's not unprecedented for a fifth or sixth round draft pick. His rookie year, I mean, here recently in the league, Tariq Woolen at Seattle, yeah. uh, who ran a four-two-five or something wow. like that, and he's like 6'4 out of UTSA. Wow. Uh, he's from Fort Worth, Arlington Heights. You know, he had a Pro Bowl season his rookie year uh, last year. I want to ask you about Kayvon Thibodeau uh, because, you know, we watch Micah Parsons in practice and training camp, and it's either the Cowboys' offensive tackles are really bad or Micah Parsons <laughs> is really, really good. How about Thibodeau as, you know, when we went up there in September last year, he was coming off his injury, wasn't at full tilt yet. Uh, going into his second year, how has he looked in training camp? Yeah, better. Uh, healthy for one. I talked to him yesterday, and he said he feels as healthy as, as he's been since he's been here. You know, once you you know sprain a ligament in your knee, you come back. It's never right until you really rest it in the off season. So he did play much better at the end of last year. Uh, he came on the last five or six games, and his pressure rate went up. So yeah, I think him and Aziz Ojolari too. I think Ojolari is actually probably a better pure pass rusher. He gets he's a little bendier. He gets a little bit lower to the ground in terms of running that arc. Around the defense, uh, around the offensive tackle, but look, I think one bet the Giants are making this year are those two edge players play a little bit more consistently. Ojolari missed a lot of last time, a lot of time last year with calf injuries, and they can bring a little bit more of a consistent pass rush 
uh, along the edge. And I think they have high hopes for both those guys. And I will say this about Thibodeau. You know, it's funny. The worry about him coming in was, you know, is he going to be focused on football, dedication and practice and all that stuff and run defense? That's really what he's been great at. You know, he hasn't been like the super explosive, consistent sack guy like everyone thought he was going to be. It's been the other stuff that honestly has, has, has really impressed me since he's been here. John, if we go to the other side of the ball, I know one of the things the Giants wanted to improve on was the offensive line. How has that unit looked uh, getting ready for this season opener, and particularly uh, being able to protect Daniel mm-hmm. Jones? Andrew Thomas is awesome. Um, I will use the same line that, that Bill used talking about Micah Parsons. Either Andrew Thomas is really good or the Giants' edge rushers are really bad <laughs> because I don't, think, I don't think he lost a rep in pass protection one-on-ones all summer. He's just phenomenal at left tackle. But he was good last year, too. The question of the other guys, right? Uh, Evan Neal at right tackle, I think the team really needs him to, 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 to take a jump this year. Um, he had issues last year. Remember the Demarcus Lawrence in that first game had the three sacks against the yeah. right side. So um, he's looked better in in the summer. He missed a couple weeks with a concussion. Um, so I think they hope there's improvement there. And then they're starting a rookie center in John Michael Schmitz. Uh, really good mentally. He's a six-year player out of Minnesota, second-round pick. He's figured that much out. I think he'll be okay. He struggles maybe with power a little bit sometimes on the inside. And then the guard position is interesting. They haven't really announced who their starting guards are. It's Mark Lewinsky, Ben Bredesen, and Josh Azudu, who was a third-round pick last year. And for the last two weeks at camp, they've really rotated those three guys. And Brian Dable has said that if he thinks it makes sense in the matchup, he'd be willing to rotate those three guys within games. So we don't quite know who those guards are going to be. My guess is he'll go with the veterans, Lewinsky at right guard, Bredesen at left guard. But with Dallas and all their twists and stunts on the defensive line, I think that's a good thing to watch over the course of that game, too. John Schmelk, New York Giants insider with us here on uh, Mix Shots and uh, elsewhere on offense. Of course, the Giants have needed playmakers, and they've added a couple. They've added speed at wide receiver with the uh, third-round pick, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, Paris Campbell, the free agent signee who had 63 catches last year with the Colts, and then, of course, the receiving tight end, Darren Waller. Everybody's talking about him, right? And Waller's the guy. I mean, he might be a tight end, but he's their number one receiver. If he stays healthy all year, he's going to catch 80 balls. He's going to have 1,000 yards. Now, will he stay healthy all year? He hasn't been able to. That's the ultimate question, right? But he hasn't missed, aside from veteran days, he has not missed one practice in camp due to an injury. So he's been very good. He's a legit 6'6", a legit 250, but he moves like a guy that's 6'3", 220. Uh, He's just an athletic freak show. Daniel Jones and him have gotten chemistry very quick early. He's his favorite target in practice. You know, they run him on those option routes, those Y options in the middle of the field, let him do, you know, just find room and get open. So he's going to be a primary target. And to to your point, they added a bunch of speed in addition to that. They drafted Jalen Hyatt, a 4-4 guy. Uh, He's not probably one of their top three receivers right now. He's probably their fourth, but he's going to play, you know, 20, 25 snaps in this game, I would bet. And he's a really fast, legitimate vertical target. And then Paris Campbell is kind of that, you know, run after the catch, catch the short pass, some gadget stuff maybe in there too, player that'll be mostly in the slot to start the game that they'll try to get the ball to and and, and kind of let him make a play with his leg. So, you know, they still don't have that number one A or maybe even, you know, two A wide receiver, but they think they've added speed and Waller, which should make the pass offense more explosive 
which was a huge goal this offseason. They finished next to last in passes of 20 more yards last year. They know that has to get better if they want to try to challenge in the division. So, John, your overall assessment, you've been there for quite some time. You've seen these Giants teams. Uh, they go 9-7-1 and one last year and won a playoff game. Your feeling about this team, where it's at, and where you think, what do you think they're capable of this year? I think they've closed the gap talent-wise with Dallas and Philly, who I consider Dallas, Philly, and San Fran kind of the top tier of the NFC, right? Their talent's closer. I want to see in games how much closer they are and whether or not they've caught them. Because I'm not sure they're there yet. They're still very young in a lot of spots, and it's only year two of the regime. But the talent's certainly better. Uh, they're a very well-coached team on both sides of the ball. Brian Dable and Mike Kafka have done a really good job with this offense, utilizing Daniel Jones with his legs and with his arm. Wink Martindale, like I mentioned, all the blitzes. He, he sets the tempo on defense. So I think they're a better team than they were last year for sure. As you guys well know, because they have very similar schedules, the schedule is a lot tougher this year playing the AFC East instead of the AFC South. So I don't, I'm not sure their record's going to be that much better, but I know the talent's a lot better. But I think the game against Dallas and Philly and San Francisco this year will be very telling as to how much the Giants have closed that gap. If they were in the AFC South or NFC, uh, NFC North or NFC South, I think they'd be competing for the division title. And I think whether or not they can you know, beat Dallas in Week 1 will go a long way towards us deciding if they can challenge for the NFC East title. That's funny. I think we pointed that out. Mm -hmm. Bill pointed that out if they were in a different division yesterday, that they would be favorites to win that division. I was yeah. the one who said the Giants would be favored. Mickey was. was I said I Bill pointed it out. All right. On a personal level, how, how's Sterling doing? Sterling Shepard. We love Sterling. Oh, Shep's awesome. Uh, he's such a positive guy, and he, he's ready to go, man. Like, he was running that. routes by, by June in minicamp, and then he got activated off of Pup two weeks into camp. He's playing a preseason game, he, he caught a punt. I think this will be a wide receiver by committee, and I think he's going to be part of it. He's such a good dude. We're mm -hmm. all rooting for him. We're so happy. And I talked to him, by the way. His GPS numbers are either identical or a little bit better than they were pre-ACL and, and, and pre-Achilles injury. Nice. So nice. he's feeling pretty good. Man, of course, it was against the Cowboys last year when he went down with the injury. John, and the year before, he yeah. tore his ACL and he tore his yeah. ACL, uh, Achilles against Dallas. So two straight years, he had season-ending wow. injuries yeah, against right. the Cowboys. Wow. Well, maybe that's sit him out then, okay? <laughs> that's right. We, we like him too much. We, do, we don't need – and he also scores touchdowns against the Cowboys. Yeah. Good idea. Just sit him. Uh, John Schmelk, I just subscribed to a Giants Huddle, and I can't wait to listen to your podcast over the next few days getting ready for Sunday night and Mickey wants to know if you have uh, tickets for him for the U.S. Open this weekend <laughs> when he arrives in town. I can work on that for you, Mickey, if you want me to. <laughs> I don't think we'll get in in time to see anything on Saturday and Sunday is ends up being a long day. Yes, I was going to say, uh, good luck trying to get from New Jersey to Queens. That's about a two and a half hour drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So have fun with that. Well, John, work on that weather for us, would you? I probably can't help you with that either. <laughs> okay. John Schmelk, we appreciate it. And uh, check him out, Giants Huddle Podcast as well. And uh, that does it for Mick Shots. All right, good. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. We will reconvene for a fabulous football Friday tomorrow at noon. Go Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!